Happy Sabbath, church. Uh, we're told by the inspired pen that we should guard well the edges of the Sabbath. So it's always good when we have programs to bring in the Sabbath and to usher the Sabbath out. So we praise God that we're together um, here now as day is dying in the West, as it were. We have a very serious topic to deal with tonight um, uh, with visual images and Bible texts and all kinds of things. So I just ask that you be prayerful as we go through these, this talk um, and that the spirit of God would lead um, and that he would have full reign in what happens. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to deal with key issues in these last days. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill this place to fill me, and Lord, to speak through me. Bless us, Father God, that we would be enlightened by your word, and Lord, that we would be changed by your spirit. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our talk tonight is um, the first in the series I call Mind Games, which I deal with music and television and the effects of modern culture on our young people. I do a lot of these talks um, I do these all over the country and even outside of the country um, and really target young people and try to address issues that young people are dealing with, such as sex, drugs, violence um, uh, and, and other things, gang violence, um, spiritualism. And so this talk is the talk that I do on sex and sexuality. I must say you, you should hold on to your hold on to your or I should say buckle your seatbelts is maybe the way I ought to say it. Because some of this stuff is pretty heavy stuff, um, and I wrestle almost with some of the stuff, even with what images to put on the screen. But then, you know, being that I, I'm, I work, you know, at Loma Linda, and I've I've been out in the world, I know that our young people actually are often exposed to much harsher images and much harsher words than you're going to see tonight. Um, and so this is a way for the church to become more aware um, of what's going on and to be much more prayerful over our young people. This first slide, just to kind of introduce, I have um, sex lies in the fight for purity, because I believe that purity is something worth fighting for for young people. And the image there is, is a group. Anybody know what group that is? Destiny's Child. Good. See, I, I let the audience say stuff. Um, and of course, Beyonce has gone into being a huge uh, star in the um, in the world today, in the secular world. She claims to be a Christian, but her music often denies her Christianity for her. Um, and this group has sold millions and millions of albums between the three of them. But they represent this new sexuality um, that is in uh, pervasive in the world today. We start with the Bible, and this is a text from Genesis chapter 19, where the Bible says, Then the Lord God, then the Lord raided upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I was fortunate enough when I was in the 11th grade to go to Israel for two months and live in a town called Netanya, and which is just outside of Tel Aviv, and take Jewish history classes for two months. 
in the time, there was some time, I actually took like a weekend and just did Christian um, sites and history. But I went with a Jewish uh, group and to a Jewish school. And so I really learned Old Testament things primarily and some history even beyond of the Maccabees and so forth. One of our excursions was to the southern end of the Dead Sea. And when you get to the southern end of the Dead Sea, um, you know, we got into the water. It was actually chilly at that time of the year, but we jumped into the water and everybody, everything floated. There were no fish, no animals, nothing in the water. And after we did this, our Jewish teacher, his name was Yoshi, he, he took us to one, to that end of the sea and we kind of set up a little camp like we did almost every night and debriefed and talked about what happened in Jewish history or in the biblical history in that area. And he pointed over to a lump of, of uh, what looked like just a lump of dirt and he said, that we call Jebel Ustam, the Mount of Sodom. He said, this is where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were. Here is where the Bible story of fire and brimstone took place, where the cities were destroyed because of their sinfulness. When you do the research and you look at the words in the old Hebrew for fire and brimstone, brimstone is better translated like sulfur or sulfuric acid. So when you really look at what happened, it was fire, heat and sulfuric acid that fell on those cities. And anyone who's taken organic chemistry class, you know, or any chemistry class, you know that when you mix heat with acid and organic materials, almost always one of the byproducts is salt. Anywhere you dug on the ground around that area, you reach salt. The water was filled with salt so that nothing could live in it. And this mound, when you chipped at it, was salt. And I remember Yossi pointing to one of those little mounds and saying, there are those that believe that that is Lot's wife. I say all of that to say that the Bible is accurate. It is true. Just as the Bible says it happened, the evidence of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah still exists on the southern end of the Dead Sea today. So when the Bible talks about the wickedness and the and the and the and the sexual uh, perversion that went on uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe the Bible was true that those things happened in those cities. But I also believe that the Bible is true that God's cup of 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 indignation was filled against those cities and God sent warning and destroyed those cities. We'll look at some other texts that kind of back that up. When you look at the book of Jude, the seventh verse, the Bible says, even as the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. What does the Bible says happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, this is the New Testament. There are those who say, well, that was an Old Testament thing. God doesn't function like that in the uh, in the New Testament. Actually, I had a student from La Sierra say that his teacher taught him at La Sierra that Sodom and Gomorrah was just a natural disaster. God had really nothing to do with it. But the scripture in Jude 7 makes it clear that that they gave themselves over to fornication, which we normally uh, connotate as premarital sex. Um, and going after strange flesh, which if you carry the analogies all the way out, would mean homosexuality. The Bible says that when they did this, God caused them to suffer the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, is Sodom and Gomorrah still burning? No, when the Bible speaks of eternal fire, just like when it speaks of hell, it's not saying you're going to go to hell and burn forever. But the consequences, the effects of the fire are eternal. The destruction caused by the fire is going to last forever. 
The Bible says here that they suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. What does Ezekiel say? In Ezekiel 16, 49, the Bible says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Verse 50 says, And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as what? As I saw good, I want you to know that God still reserves. He has the right. If it's, if it pleases God, he can step in and wipe out whole cities if that's what pleases him. Especially when God's cup of wrath, of his indignation, when he is so disgusted with what is going on, God reserves the right to step in and destroy. That's the story of the flood. It is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And for those who don't know, it is the fate of this entire planet. And the only escape from this planet is the same escape that was offered to Lot and his family. That is that when the angels of God come, and offer you a chance to escape, to, to repent, to be removed from this place. When God gives you an opportunity at salvation, you need to take it. Because the day will come when all of those opportunities will be finished. When the preachers can close their Bibles and lay them down. When probation will have closed and who he that is righteous will be righteous still. And he that is holy will be holy still. But he that is filthy, the scripture says, he will be filthy Still, Lot's wife was foolish. She was more concerned with what she was leaving behind in the city. She was more concerned with the social friends and, the, and, 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 and all that was going on in the city. She was more concerned with her Prada shoes and her, her Louis bag. She, she was more concerned with what she left in her closet in Sodom than in the freedom God offered her by giving her a chance to escape. She was more concerned with her, her DVD collection or her, her music collection. She, she left her iPod on the dresser and wanted to run back. Oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. But instead of Lot's wife accepting the free offer of salvation, of being redeemed out of Sodom and Gomorrah, she chose to look back and it wasn't simply a physical glance. Deep down inside of Lot's wife, she chose to gaze, to long for what she was leaving behind her. And God knew that if she went with Lot out of the city, Sodom and Gomorrah would have simply followed them. We now live in a time when we are over sexualized. Our children watch commercials like this commercial. Now, I don't know how many of you remember this. I don't think they still show it anymore. But who is that in that picture? Paris Hilton. Now, Paris Hilton weighs about 89 pounds soaking wet. And there are a lot of issues right now with anorexia and bulimia in American girls because of the images of these quote-unquote superstars. The women are so skinny, and the girls now want to be like that. And their image of beauty is to be skinny, skinny, skinny. And so a lot of girls are suffering from eating disorders because they want to look like these women. But this isn't reality. As a matter of fact, just look at the picture for a moment. That hamburger couldn't even fit in her mouth, quite frankly. And in the commercial, she's half dressed, washing a car, holding a hamburger. And when it was this played at the hospital one night and, and you know, the nurses, are, I'm like, wait a minute, what, what are they advertising? Are they advertising her? Her clothes, 
the hamburger, the car, a car wash chain. What are they advertising? They were advertising the hamburger. And what they're doing, remember, television, the whole point of television is to sell you stuff. Whether you buy HBO, they're selling you HBO, or whether you buy the hamburger that she's trying to tell you. And what they're really saying is if you buy the hamburger and you're a woman, you're going to look like her. Not. <laughs> you eat that hamburger, you're not going to look like her. Because <laughs> I don't think she could swallow that hamburger. She'd look like an anaconda. They'd be like bulge all the way down. Or if you're a guy and you go to buy these hamburgers, you're going to find a woman like her. Not. <laughs> all right. But this is it. They use now sex to sell everything. Use sex to sell a hamburger. And so when you go back and you look, these are groups like Salt and Pepper where they had songs, Shake Your Thang and It's Your Thang, Do What You Want to Do and Push It and all kinds of stuff. And many people don't know that that one of them there is a seven-day Adventist. Her uncle actually is our is the head of the biology department at Oakwood College, Salt of Salt and Pepper. Um, uh, I saw the film. After her career, she went to Ethiopia with NAPS. Um, the National Association for the Prevention of Starvation, which is a group at Oakwood College. And when she went to Ethiopia with them, with her uncle, she was baptized in the river along with hundreds of Ethiopians. She accepted Jesus Christ. Now, I know she must be struggling. People tell me, oh, I saw her doing this, this, and that. But she was baptized technically into the Seventh-day Adventist church. But her group, when they came out, pushed an aggressive form of female sexuality. One of the songs she said, she, they sang that I remember when I was a kid, they, they, when I was a teenager, they had, they had a song that said, if you mess with me, I'll take your man. She was daring you, girl, if you mess with me, I'll just take your man from you, just like that. And it changed the way young girls, especially in the inner city, began to view their sexuality because now it was aggressive. You know, there was a time when, when boys had to go after girls. That isn't necessarily true anymore. Nowadays, if you have a son, the mother's always saying, you know, all these girls are calling the house. These girls are always after my son. Things have changed. Girls have become the aggressors. And part of it is because it has been pushed on girls to become the aggressors, to not be afraid to go after the man you want. But Matthew 5 and verse 24, Jesus really gives us a powerful text in dealing with these issues. He says, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. One of the big problems facing the church today is the problem of pornographic addictions. People don't like to talk about this, but the truth is that there was a survey, and in this survey, 40% of the pastors of all denominations, not not talking about Adventist pastors, pastors in general, 40% of the pastors said in this survey they had a problem with Internet pornography. We now know that Internet pornography and Internet sexual um, indecency is a major problem in the United States. Just 30, 20 years ago, I mean, maybe even 15, 10 years ago, the Internet was not uh, um, rampant enough and, and pervasive. It wasn't everywhere like it is now. So it wasn't as much a problem. But if you've watched any of those Dateline NBC specials where they have some 13 year old decoy, male or female, and they put out stuff and these men call in and will go to the house expecting to have a sexual liaison with a minor. All done through the Internet. But even if you don't ever plan to meet someone, the scripture says if all you ever do is look at images and lust after the image, the Bible says you commit adultery 
in your mind already. Wow. That's why it's important how women dress when they come to church. It is. It's important where men put their eyes when they come to church. It is important because Jesus, he takes the law. Jesus doesn't take the law and beat you upside the head with it. He takes the the letter of the law and, and expands it so you get the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law isn't simply don't commit adultery. The spirit of the law is you should have no desire to commit adultery. Your your purity should not be simply based on opportunity. You should not be a virgin only because nobody wants you. Amen. You should be a virgin because you've made a decision, young people, that you are going to live for Jesus Christ. And like Romans 12, 1, you will give your body as a living sacrifice. If you choose to do it any other way, you can sin and and strip clubs have become popular. I'm amazed at the men who for their bachelor parties. The night before they're going to marry the woman they're supposed to love, they want to go into a strip club or have strippers come to their house and curse. These men then bring curses on their marriage the night before they go to be married. What else can come into your marriage if the night before you're going to be with the one woman for the rest of your life, you walk into a place that's filled with demons as a strip club? So in essence, strippers are prostitutes. Because... At the end of the day, you're selling sex. And if you sell sex, according to this text, just a man looking at you and lusting in a strip club is selling adultery. You're as much a prostitute as the woman on the street. The scripture makes it clear. If a man just looks at a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he has committed adultery with her. So we look at a man. This is the whole all of the parts of us as human, physical, social, mental, emotional and spiritual. And one of the things that happened is that there was a sexual revolution. Some of you may not remember this, but way back in the 40s and 50s and really the 50s and 60s is when it got big. There was a there was a sexual revolution. And one professor put together the pillars. What allowed there to be such a sexual revolution in the United States? There was a time in America where you could not show publicly all of the things that you now see. Many of the words you hear on television were banned publicly. Women could not come out. I dream of Gina. There was a huge fight over her showing her navel, her belly button. They're not. I mean, the belly button is the least of your worries nowadays. So the question then becomes what changed in America? What happened to change our ideas? What changed our thinking and how we look at sex and sexuality? Well, one thing that happened is in our public school systems, they began to teach moral relativism. They began to teach that there really is no absolute right or wrong. It's more a matter of what you think or what you accept. And if two adults agree to do something, then it's not wrong because they're both consenting adults. That is a that is doctrine from the pits of hell. What makes something right is not based on man. It's based on God. There is no moral relativism. If it's moral, it's moral because God's law has encoded it so. But because of evolution and this and this satanic belief that man evolved from lesser beings and that we are not really here as 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 created beings. Because of that, many believe that you can do what you want because all you really are is a more highly evolved animal. So if you're a highly evolved animal, what's wrong with acting like an animal? Moral relativism. There were medical advances. We'll talk about some of those briefly. But penicillin to treat diseases like syphilis and gonorrhea 
When that came out, it took away some people's fear of premarital and extramarital sex and promiscuity. They said, oh, if I get a disease, I just get a shot of penicillin. Then the condom became big. And there were those who said, oh, you can have as much sex as you want. Just have safe sex. They used to say safe sex. They repealed safe sex and went to safer sex because they found out safe sex wasn't so safe. The media became huge and with it came an ability to spread any message anywhere in rapid fire succession. And Roman uh, Revelation uh, chapter 12, I like the part when, when John the, the Revelator speaks about the dragon opening his mouth and out of his mouth comes a flood. I, I, like, I, I link that almost to the media where the devil now has the ability to spread lies in rapid fire succession, able to almost drown the church in lies. Technological advances, things like the television, the radio, um, the iPod, uh, the Internet. All of a sudden now, these things allow for your for, for sex and sexuality and how it's viewed to change from more wholesome, older ideologies to now where almost anything goes. And of course, arts and entertainment, the songs that are written, the movies that are written and how they're played out all change the way America looked at sex. These are the pillars of what we call the sexual revolution. Well, hip hop culture, the culture of the of the youth of today brings the sexual revolution to young. And here I put black America. A lot of times I'm speaking in inner cities, but it really brings it to young America, period. I go to many places and I, you know, I live out in Ukiah and I see, you know, little white kids with their hat turned backwards and their jeans sagging off of them. And I look twice sometimes, like I'm in Brooklyn or something. <laughs> the culture is so pervasive that everybody's buying into it. But nothing has done it like this culture. And here's this guy, Kinsey, who was a, who was a sexologist in 1948. Uh, he released a study on human sexual behavior and published a, um, uh, an article, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male. And this moved American society away from a traditional Victorian view of sex to a more open and accepting outlook towards human sexuality. He released the things that he released some of the writings that first said that children are sexual beings. He was the one that moved, um, you know, if you know, if you study medicine, there's a thing called the DSM-3 and the DSM-4, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, psychiatrists and psychologists used to, to define mental disease. And up until DSM-3, we're on DSM-4, I believe, still, up until DSM-3 in the 70s, um, homosexuality and transsexuality and transgenderism was viewed as a psychological or psychiatric disease. In DSM-4, all of them were accepted as normal behavior. It was because people who claim to be psychologists and scientists who are raised up by the enemy. I don't have time to go into that tonight, but the devil raises up these quote unquote great minds like Freud and, and Darwin raised up by the enemy to create philosophies and ideas that war against the principles of God. So this is one of Kinsey's students, Hugh Hefner, who lives at the Playboy Mansion and um, is I think 83 years old now and still has all the young girls all around him all the time. But here's a little bit of what happened. In 1913, they released it, there was the release of the first nude calendar. In 1915, the first pornographic film. In 1953, the first Playboy magazine was published. That was his magazine. In 55 and 56, there was the release of the movie The Graduate. 
Some of you may remember that. And this is, movie was so sexually charged that this is what moved them to create the PG system, PG-13, R, G system. That system was created because people brought their kids to this movie, and when they saw what was going on, they were a- outraged, and Hollywood had to go back and, and create a rating system for their movies. Of course, they taught then that condoms created freedom, that, that if you use condoms and birth control pills, you could have as much sex as you want. They even created one condom brand called Jimmy Hats, and they put a dog there as if to say, you know, if you wear these, you'll be more doggish, I guess. <laughs> now here, these are some of the lyrics to a song called, uh, called Jimmy Hat, and this is by KRS-One, but uh, in essence, what he's trying to say here, when you read the lyrics all the way through, um, uh, he says, the Jimmy Hats on the bottom... Uh, uh, Jimmy Hatch for the winter attack. Um, good for present, great for lovers, demonstrated by the Jungle Brothers. Protect your Jimmy and keep it fresh. The Jimmy Hatch by KRS. He wanted you to pr- be protected. So a lot of people said, hey, look, they're teaching safer sex in hip hop. Hip hop is good. But what happened that, that, that was wrong? Well, KRS One was wrong because condom users fail. The studies show over and over and over again that girls who are going to get pregnant usually get pregnant in the first six months they begin to have sex, if they're, if they're teenage girls. One, because they really don't know what they're doing, and they believe whatever the guy tells them, and the guy tells them lies, like, oh, you can't get pregnant the first time you have sex. And girls believe it and have sex and get pregnant. Or they tell them, you know what, I, you know, I don't need to put on a condom till the last minute, and they wait, and of course they get pregnant. So it's important Condom users fails, fail, and the study showed that the adolescent mind is not fully able to make the most responsible decisions, especially in the way that we are raising children in America today. So you're going to, you know, I, I was presenting this at a center, uh, some, some of this material at the Centers for Disease Sexual Prevention Conference in Jacksonville, Florida this year. And of course, there were many people from the far left and the far right, and I tried to just be somewhere in the middle. And one of the things I said was this. I said, we don't trust our children to drive until they're 16 in most parts of America. They can't vote until they're 18 or join the military until they're 18. They can't drink alcohol till they're 21. Why would you people, because many of the people there, why would you try and push that children as early as 13 and 14 should have sex? You don't trust them with beer or wine, yet you trust them with the ability to reproduce life? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there are those based on Kinsey who say that children are sexual and that they should be pushed. They should, they should be allowed. One lady said teenagers, high school students should have sex because they need the affection. But sex and affection are two separate things. uh, Condoms don't address all aspects of the sexual encounter. I tell you about the physical, social, emotional, um, mental, and spiritual. Well, condom only covers the physical. What about when you sleep, when that young lady sleeps with that man and he walks off and leaves her and she's heartbroken and distraught? What about when that young man finds out he was one of five men in this woman's life? What happens when you find out that you've been sinning and your relationship with God has been affected by the fact you've been behaving contrary to his will? Condoms don't protect you from any of that. They don't protect you from the heartache that I see when when young girls come in and they're pregnant and we tell them 14, 15 years old at the urgent care. We tell them that your pregnancy test is positive and they look at me and say, I don't know who the father is. Condoms don't protect from the heartache. 
If used properly every single time, they reduce your risk of HIV and gonorrhea and syphilis and a whole bunch of other stuff. But they don't protect you from being lost. And one of the studies in southern Africa and sub-Saharan Africa showed that the more condoms they distributed in sub-Saharan Africa, the higher the age rates went. Why? Because the CDC has reported there's only two things that have been proven to reverse an AIDS epidemic, as demonstrated in the country of Uganda. Uganda is the only country to ever reverse the AIDS epidemic, and they did it without promoting condoms, overly promoting condoms, and without um, lots of money for treatment like the United States has. They did it by telling their young people to wait to have sex. The president of the country had made commercials and was on billboards saying, you need to wait. Your life is in danger. Having sex before you're married can kill you. And they watched as the average age of a sexual onset went from 13 or 14 to 17. And with it, the age rates went down. And the second thing they did, which the CDC agrees with, is that they started to challenge married couples to be faithful, especially the men. And as men reduced the number of sexual partners they had outside of marriage, the AIDS rates went down. So the Bible was accurate all along. If God's plan was followed, there would be no AIDS epidemic. If God's plan was followed all over the globe, AIDS would never have had a chance. So there's a massacre on morality. BET, Black Entertainment Television, MTV, musical television, um, the movies, the lyrics, the concerts have all come together. This is a guy named 50 Cent who is the head of a group called the G Unit. And his whole thing is just vulgarity and cursing and demeaning women. And he sells a lot of records and does all that stuff. But 50 Cent doesn't care about your child. Young people, he doesn't care about you. If a girl is raped because of one of his songs or or is gets pregnant because the boy believes what he's saying or whatever happens, happens. You think if you call 50 cent for help, he's going to send a check or fly out to do something for you. He could care less. Yet he spits out lyrics that are so destructive. As a matter of fact, his album was called The Massacre because he understood the Bible text that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And he said Tupac and Biggie Smalls were killed because they kept talking about dying. So he said, I won't talk about dying. I'm only going to talk about killing. So he named his album The Massacre. And when you read the lyrics of his songs, they're about killing and massacres and, and raping and 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 just terrible, terrible things, pimping. And the kids think it's funny. They think it's cool, but they don't understand. You can't listen to it and not be affected. I text one of the texts we read this morning in the sermons from Second Timothy. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. It says in the next verse, verse 17 of, of, of chapter two, it says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will lead to increased ungodliness. The more of this you listen to, the more ungodly you become. 
And I can tell you because I was in this culture. I was raised in this culture. I grew up outside of Hartford, Connecticut. Less than an hour, we get to the Bronx in an hour where hip hop started. And I used to love this music. I, my mother, we were Adventists, but I hid. I used to sneak all over the place to basement parties and to parks so I could be a part of the crowd. And I was in multiple groups and I tried to become famous doing this kind of stuff. And I can tell you that as long as I listened to it, I could not get into church. I would go to church and sleep or stand up outside because I couldn't listen to the music and serve God at the same time. It was as if there was a war inside of me. And had I not been sent off to Adventist College where they shut that down and wouldn't allow us to listen to it, or we didn't even want to listen to it after a while because we had worshipped so much and studying and all the things that we did so that my senses came to me, I could see how damaging it is and finally put it away. If I had not done that, the music would have led me into eternal destruction. It wouldn't have gotten me there fast, though. It didn't work like that. It was a slow, chronic, painful uh, erosion of what I believe to be normal and true. Slowly but surely, with every time I heard the lyrics over and over again, and the lyrics then don't compare to many of the lyrics now, but slowly but surely, your mindset begins to change. You become more selfish, more, more arrogant, even more violent. This is a guy named Luke Skywalker. Some of you probably don't know, know him. He was the leader of a group called the Two Live Crew. Sold millions and millions and millions of albums. I actually ran into him in the, in the first floor when I was in medical school at the Mailman Center at the University of Miami in Florida. Friday afternoon when I was leaving, I run into this guy and I know him just because he's a famous guy. And I said, Luke, act like I knew him, knew him, knew him. I said, Luke, what are you doing down here? You know, everybody's going home. It's Friday afternoon. It's like 4.30. He said, man, I'm here at least two, three times a year. I said, why are you here that often? He's, well, I knew it, but the genetic medicine clinic was upstairs, and this is where they did the DNA test for the court system. He said, two or three times a year, some woman claims I am the father of her child. Two or three times a year, brother? Have you no sense? But the music videos on television are on television while parents are still at work. Most girls who get pregnant in the United States get pregnant be between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. inside of their own homes. They get pregnant in those hours between high school letting out and their parents getting home from work. The studies show that having a parent at home is probably one of the most protective things that you can do for your teenager. Because it's also the time when young boys are most likely to commit juvenile acts of delinquency. So if your daughter is going to get pregnant in America, statistically speaking, it will happen between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. in your house while they're listening to Luther Vandross or um, what's the other guy? Um, Barry White, or whatever his name is. Statistically speaking. So while we're keeping up with the Joneses and everybody's working, the devil is having a field day with our children at home. Radios play the music more. All right, let me skip all that stuff. And then in the movies, I'll skip that. 80, movies have an 87% likelihood of presenting sexual material. This is the movie Hustle and Flow, the, the poster for it where um, the song came out. I've talked about this song all week. It's hard out here for a pimp, and they won an Academy Award. You want an Academy Award for a rap song for a group from Memphis, Tennessee called It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp? 
The group's name is the Three Six Mafia, the Six 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 Mafia. They are devil worshiping rap group, as far as I'm concerned. And they won an Academy Award. That's the poster for the movie. But 87% likely to presenting sexual material. The average American adolescent will view nearly 14,000 sexual references every year. How many times do we discuss, as parents discuss with their children, sexual purity a year? Well, in many of our cultures, it is taboo to discuss these things. So nobody says anything to their child and hope that their child just misses all of this. That they just never have a crush on anyone until they're like 27. The problem is while you're silent as parents, grandparents, church leaders, the devil is speaking, shouting volumes of information about sex at your child. So when you never open up God's word and discuss it, you're losing by default the battle to raise a pure child. So we have to talk about it. 64% of all shows include sexual content and only 15% mention waiting, protection and or consequences. And this show right here is Girlfriends, which I don't really watch the show, but I hear it's quite crazy. And the intent is to make youth feel as if they are abnormal if they are following God's plan. So the girl who decides she's going to wait to be married is viewed as if she's abnormal. She's ostracized. She's teased. They make movies like The 40-Year-Old Virgin so that if you're an older gentleman or you're a gentleman who's over 25 and a virgin, it's as if some disease has come upon you. And you are now plagued with virginity. Yet this is what God requires of you. How, how, how serious the sophistry of the enemy. That he would flip righteousness into what is unpopular to pressure you into doing what God forbids. And Hollywood has an agenda for moral anarchy. I like to say that, and you can see here these pictures. That picture in the window there is a real nude woman in one of the frames of a Disney cartoon called The Rescuers, which came out in 1977. This is uh, Jessica Rabbit doing a Sharon Stone impersonation in, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I go fast because I don't really want you to see it. Um, and this one was discovered by a four-year-old kid in Canada who tilted his head to the left while watching The Lion King and noticed that the word sex was spelled out in the stars. Keep looking. If you, <laughs> if, you see it now? If you don't see it, I, you have to look on the computer where it's real easy to see. But it's there. And so hip hop takes the sexual perversion to another level using spiritualism, materialism, self-worship to change the landscape of morality in America. And I talked about DMX last week at Advent Hope, but you can see him covered in blood in an album entitled Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood. And the M itself makes horns on his head. He has a lyric where he says, I sold my soul to the devil and the price was cheap. I'm living life on this level and it's twice as deep. He says he sold his soul to the devil. Yet you drive around and bump the music in your car and think that the devil who was choir director and musical leader in heaven will not find a way to have those messages penetrate your mind and pervert you. Here's a song. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. And let me tell you, he's trying to make you lose your mind because the scripture says you must have the mind, this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He is warring with you, young people. 
all day, every day. And here's Nelly, who is a part owner of one of the NBA franchises now, made an album called Sweatsuit. And, and in one of the songs on one of his albums, he has a lyric that says, it's getting hot in here. So hot, so take off all your clothes. And the girl responds in the song, I am getting so hot, I want to take my clothes off. Well, we've learned, education studies have taught us that what makes kids learn and remember things is repetition and music because music bypasses the frontal lobe of the brain, the reasoning center of the brain where you process and kick things out. But if you put the information to a melody and a beat, it bypasses the frontal lobe entering through the parietal lobe and affecting you at the level of the thalamus and the hypothalamus, which are the emotional seats of the human being. And so when the music hits you here, automatically, you, you know, you just kind of start moving. You, you don't mean to move. You just start moving all over the place. And that's why in church we have to be careful what music we play because we don't want people being moved by something other than the Holy Spirit. And so when your daughter hears this song 1,000 times and says this chorus 10,000 times, the time finally comes when some boy is literally on her trying to get her to take off the clothes. And if this song plays, her defenses have been relaxed because she's already out of the mouth. Like I said, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You say it, you begin to believe it. And it's the girl that says, I want to take off all my clothes. So when it comes time to keeping her clothes on, it's far more difficult. As a matter of fact, the fact, the group um, Color Me Bad, old group from, I believe, the late 80s made a song called I Want to Sex You Up. And it was a number one big time bestseller at the time. Pastor G. Craig Lewis, if you watch his Truth Behind Hip Hop series, says that one of the members of the group became a Christian, is now a pastor in somewhere in Texas. And he, he, he basically rejects all the what that they did. And he confessed that when they made, went to make the song, I Want to Sex You Up, they brought witches into the studio and put a curse on the song. So that when girls heard it, they would lose, they would be more likely and more feel more free to lose their virginity. And he said that the, this pat, the guy now a pastor, now converted, now repentant of what he did. The guy said he, the proof was that they received over 100,000 fan letters from teenage girls thanking the group for making the song because it gave them the courage to give up their virginity. You think you're just listening to music, young people? You think you're, you can outfox the devil? You think you're smarter than the enemy who caused a third of the angels to fall from heaven? You think somehow there's something innately bright about you? The devil is pounding you upside the head, punching you in the chin, and you think he's tickling your back. Here's a song I showed this, I think, last week at Advent Hope as well. And this is a song called Sadochism and Masochism, S&M, by the group The Two Live Crew. And Luke Skywalker is in this group. Brother Marquise is to the far right. This is a Miami-based rap group. And he says, I'm a part of this just like you. He says, I'm a disciple of Satan with work to do. And you can read the rest of it there. Actually, he'll skip it here. But I'll, I'll go down to the bottom. He says, you worship the bed with your life, holding sessions of confession Every moonlit night, it talks about the devil being deep inside. I'm trying to encourage you young people that you need to understand that the devil is working against you. And I put this up here just because R. Kelly is so funny. He's so crazy. And to see him in between his two, the two things where he's a holy man at top and a criminal at the bottom there. But I won't really get into him tonight. I'll leave him alone. 
The women's liberation movement came out and it forced sexuality on America's youth and upon America's female women. Um, Betty Friedman wrote The Feminine Mystique, a manifesto for the women's liberation movement. And she said a woman is not truly free unless she has the same freedom of expression as a man speaking about sexual freedom of expression. And, and the devil basically is still looking to change women, to move women to be more like Lot's wife. One woman, one woman said a woman needs a, a man. This is during the 60s and the women's liberation movement. A woman needs a, needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Somebody remembers that or heard it or read it. But we found out that that's not true. Fatherlessness is one of the greatest plagues on American society. Children being raised without their fathers are, are, are the statistics. I will have a whole presentation on just fatherlessness. Overwhelming that when children don't have their fathers, how much more likely they are to become pregnant or go to jail or be delinquent and less likely to graduate from high school. Did you know that 70 there's studies? There's a study that says that 75 percent of African-American youth in America will not graduate from high school. Fifty percent of African-American boys will not graduate from high school. Fifty percent of Latino boys will not graduate from high school. Thirty five percent of white males in America will not graduate from high school. And a lot of it can be traced back to. Fatherlessness, divorce and the effects of the sexual revolution. So gone are the images of the innocent, virtuous woman. Girls are encouraged to be the aggressors and gold digging is an art and is applauded by hip hop's women. Little Kim went to jail. She comes out roaring like a lion. Well, you know what the Bible says about that. Um, I'm going to try and read this one here. Let me see. Um, she starts by saying little Kim is not a whore. I- I'm going to skip a lot of this. It's a lot about gold digging and having men buy her Lamborghinis and stuff. Um, but here, on the, almost at the bottom, she says, I'll do it anywhere, anyhow, I'm down for anything. She says, it's like, it's the drugs, baby, I'm making you high. She says she's not a whore, but she says she'll do it anywhere, anyhow, anytime, with anyone. I'm trying to figure out where her dictionary defines certain words. Britney Spears says, I'm not that innocent. As she filed for divorce this week. Madonna said, I'm like a virgin, you know, not really one, just kind of like one. And then Missy Elliott has her lyrics. Jackie, oh, I'll skip some of this stuff. But then hip hop culture has hardened women to the point of that lesbian has become a craze and lesbian acts are, ex- are, are exposed as if they are super sexual. The girls Gone Wild videos are selling multiple millions of copies. They have all of these shows on our list here are shows on homosexuality so that now homosexuality is ubiquitous. You can't speak for or against it almost. If you say anything now, you it's politically incorrect. Uh, let me skip this stuff. Ah, in the 1960s, there were three known tr- and treatable sexually transmitted diseases. Today, there are over 30, many of which have no cure, including hepatitis, B and C, HIV, uh, herpes, on and on and on and on. Um, HIV is still a major killer. One in four sexually active teenagers contracts an STD, STD each year, and there are millions of abortions that are being done over the years. Um, let me skip that one. So what does the scripture says? The scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So God has called you, young people and older person. This message really doesn't just apply to any age group. One of the studies showed that one of the fastest growing groups in the country for HIV um, contraction 
were the group that are going into nursing homes, senior citizens. Yeah, you can figure that one out when you get home. And so where is your mind? The question really is, how do you relate to Christ Jesus? Have you given your whole self over to him? Or are there pieces of you, pieces of your life, pieces of your of your desires that you've tucked away and hidden from God so that you can do what you want in those little arenas? But I warn you that if you do that, that you leave open the door back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Like Lot's wife, you you've got to not have an avenue open where you can slip back into into your old ways or your old life. You That means sometimes you've got to go through your cell phone and purge out phone numbers. Block emails from old friends, boyfriends or girlfriends. You've got to put up a, a, a wall against immorality in your life because the devil knows what you like. And I say it all the time, like, you know, I talk to the girls at our church and I was youth pastor. And their thing is always about how cute the guy is. And I say, you know, I'm not so sure you want to date that guy. You know, maybe if he could get out of 10th grade um, after his third or fourth try, maybe then we we'll look at him again. Maybe when they take that ankle thing off of him for home arrest, maybe then we can we can try and see if he'd make you a good a spouse for your life. And you know what their answer almost always is? But pastor, he's so cute. He's so cute. He's cute. I say, oh, he is. He's cute now. But guess what? When you marry him and you live in a house and he's so cute that he doesn't go to work or he's so cute that he's in and out of prison. The light company, the gas company, the mortgage company aren't going to call you and say, you know, you're 60 days past due. We're about to turn off your lights or your phone. But if your husband's cute enough, we'll we'll keep it on. (laughs) If you marry a buster, it doesn't change the fact that he's a cute buster. He's still a buster. He doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to go to school. The Bible says if a man does not provide for his family, he is worse than an infidel. Women, what are you choosing based on? If, we, if you chose based on men who would who would support you in more ways than just financially, but make sure that as a mother you could raise and take care of your children. Make sure that 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 you are not abused or neglected. If if you did that, you'd have a happier life. His being cute guarantees none of that. It only guarantees maybe that other women will want him more. Ellen White warns us that when you go to contemplate marriage, you should pray 12 times more than you did before. But you see, if you weren't praying, 12 times zero is zero. So you're not prepared to go into marriage or serious relationships as you get older, young people, if you have no relationship with God. If you have no relationship going upward, it's foolish to create relationships going outward. No vertical relationship with God. Why create horizontal relationships with fallen man? 
It doesn't make any sense because all you're really doing is binding yourself to difficulty and misery. Why would you do that? Young people, God has called you to purity. And many of us who are in America, we come from cultures where purity was was a given. That's just the way it was in the old country, whether it's Indonesia or Jamaica or 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 or, or, or even uh, some of the old European countries. It was just a given. But America is a different place and the world is changing. Yes, but this is a different place. The pressure for you to be sexy. I mean, you know, girls want to come to church sexy. Who are you coming to church sexy for? Who are you trying to impress? The Holy Spirit? It's important that you first, if you're going to have a relationship and be committed with someone long term in marriage, you need to practice being committed and faithful to God before you're married. And here's the real key. If you marry someone who you slept with before you got married to them, you actually cause them to cheat on God. And then how can you then get mad later on when they cheat on you? If you don't require purity from the person you hope to marry before marriage what possesses you to think that you can require purity from them to you after marriage doesn't make sense you actually help create the monster you don't want God has called you to purity and as every head is bowed and every eye is closed I'm going to ask that the young people who want to give their lives, who want to make a statement that they will be pure, that they are making a commitment and a covenant to God. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon the maid? The young people who want to make that commitment and that covenant of purity. I want you to join me down front because I want to pray over those young people. You're making a commitment. Young people, if you're a married person and you're in the audience, you can stand that you're going to follow God's plan. But I want the young people to come down front and we're going to pray a prayer of consecration over them. That as the world tries to convince them to go against God's will and against God's word and against what God has planned for them. And and here's the irony. If you follow God's plan, you're actually happier in the long run. When you look at the studies on marriage, the happiest women in the country are women who are married in a faithful monogamous relationship. They are the most uh, intimately satisfied. They are the most emotionally satisfied. Those women who follow God's plan are most happy. Those women who are like on the women on Friends or Sex in the City and are just kind of bouncing around to everyone. The studies show that they are the most miserable, more likely to be depressed and have anxiety. God is not God isn't requiring something from you to cause you misery. God knows what in the long run is going to cause you to be most happy. And his plan is so that you will be more complete, more dignified, more fulfilled and more able to be his child and be saved into his kingdom. 
As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look over your word and to analyze this current world situation. Father God, as these young people, single people, married people, older people, Lord, as those that stand or or have come down to say that they are going to stay, Lord, pure and consecrated to you. Father God, I pray tonight that you seal their decision. Father God, you give them the wisdom to discern when the enemy is working to trick and trap them. That Father God, that they, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27, that they would beat down their bodies and bring it into subjection. That they, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and 22, that they would flee youthful lusts. That Father God, uh, these young people would follow your will and follow your ways and not succumb because they don't understand the monster they create inside when they go against you, when they rebel against your word. So, Father God, give us strength. Give us direction, Lord. Give us a dedication to your will and to your cause. So that, Father God, like Romans 12, 1, we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy unto you. Lord, bless this church. Bless the leaders. <coughs> bless the youth leadership. And, Father God, when you come in the clouds of glory, Jesus sitting on that throne, let each of us be prepared to meet you. This is our prayer in Jesus' holy and precious name. Let the church say amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated. Actually, since it's time to close Sabbath, actually, uh, we would like to extend this, this service, actually, to close the Sabbath day. And uh, why don't we get the uh, praise team, actually, up here for a second. Maybe we can sing one song, one or two.